Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Alamanwell Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Kicking off a brand new week, Rhino. Howdy, howdy! I made it back from uh, Greenville, uneventful. You know, a couple of years ago when I headed up there, we were experiencing a monsoon. Remember that? Oh yeah. Gosh, it was wet. But it was delightful weather this time. We had, I thought, a great event for our good friend Steve Azar, the Delta Soul Celebrity Golf and Charity event. A lot of fun. Do you see me uh, (laughs) hanging out in the lounge there, too, in the show, on the sofa? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. We uh, had some great guests and raised some money. Steve, of course, and his wife, Gwen, very charitable people, love the great state of Mississippi, fantastic ambassadors for us. I'm always intrigued whenever I travel the state. Mississippi is just beautiful. And traveling from our position here in central Mississippi through the Delta this time of year, so green, and we had a Pristine blue sky in the background en route on Friday. Really something. We're so blessed. Here at home, these old races are starting. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Wow. But I was going to start out with a little news on the, uh, the political races in our state. We got some fundraising reports. And it looks like the the race that's getting all the attention in the primary, at least. The primary scheduled for, is it August 8th, 7th? One of those days. Tuesday, right? Incumbent Republican Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman Friday reported he got 958 grand just hauled in in May to go towards his campaign for re-election. August 8th is the primary, and any required runoffs will be held on August 29th. Wow, okay. With the general election occurring November 7th. That's where I'm getting the 7th from. Okay. General, August 8th. Pardon me, pardon me. Primary, August 8th. General, November the 7th. Got it. So that's a bunch of money raised by 
the lieutenant governor, and he got $50,000 from the Mississippi Bankers Association PAC, $30,000 from the Home Builders Association of Mississippi PAC. He got $20,000 to $25,000 each from several state health care PACs, road builders and manufacturers. So I guess one could take away from that bit of financial information that the lieutenant governor is garnering the support, at least appears, of many of the the association-type organizations, and many of, of which uh, most, honestly, have political action committees that they raise money for and then invest in campaigns, I reckon they feel, are more friendly to their causes. It's the way that works. You already know about the hospital association where I was honored to speak last Thursday down at Point Clear. Beautiful down there, by the way. And, of course, they gave, what, 250000 did their pack to Democrat gubernatorial candidate Brandon Presley. So that's interesting. Yeah, Thomas and Greenwood says he even got some money from Dickie Scrubs. He did, and I can tell you, Thomas, uh, just my my guess, my speculation on this is from a primary perspective, Scruggs would view Hoseman's challenger, Senator Chris McDaniel, as less preferred, shall we say, to Hoseman in a primary bout. Just my, my thoughts on that. Mr. Scruggs has been known to troll me a bit. A little bit on social media. Usually, a couple of times, I believe he's he has uh, sent me videos produced by Brandon Presley. Not sure exactly why. One of them had to comment, "This is what real leadership looks like." I want not sure why he's sending those to me. Because he's miserable. I guess. I mean, I'm sort of a nobody in the scheme of things. But it's just kind of interesting to watch all this shape up. Reeves, uh, Governor Tate Reeves reported in a press release that his campaign has $9.4 million on hand. And that's after launching a million-dollar media campaign for the month of May and June. Months of May and June. Brandon Presley, he reported... Raising three hundred and fifty-five thousand for May, he has one point seven million on hand. So the governor has about five and a half times the cash that his likely Democrat challenger Brandon Presley has on hand. So money's a big deal. Money is a big deal when you're running campaigns. That's interesting. And then, of course, the governor has been challenged by Gavin Newsom, the hair gel governor of California, eh, on gun control, which I thought was crazy on the part of the governor. I, I guess what I don't get, Rhino, is you got a governor of a state that is absolutely consumed with a number of issues. Crime is 
rampant in the state. The state's second largest city, San Francisco, at one time the jewel of the West Coast, honestly, is in shambles. Folks are leaving the area, homeless all over the place, feces, drugs, etc., crime. But yet he has to go pick a fight in Mississippi? That's crazy. What's that all about? Well, he can't spend too much time looking at his own problems or he'll realize how much of a failure he is. Well, that's true. Is it to detract from that, perhaps? Don't pay attention to the fact that 17% (laughs) of all gun crimes in the country happened in my state. Look at that state over there. Unbelievable. And he points to some troubling statistics about gun crime and gun violence in Mississippi, which are accurate, but if you look at where they're occurring... It's under Democrat control. And then you know what it is? It's Democrats shooting Democrats, honestly. Nuance, once again, is missing. Discernment is missing. But well, liberals tend to wash that out of their hair in the shower. <laughs> he just, I don't know, he's picking a fight where I don't think he should pick a fight. This doesn't make any sense to me that you're, again, just absolutely awash in a number of problems in your state. And you got to cross the borders. He picks a fight with DeSantis. He picks a fight now with our governor in Mississippi. Leave us the hell alone. Go worry about your own problems. In fact, do the nation and the world a favor and clean your act up out there in California. It's ridiculous. Speaking of which, this is just, just to show you how crazy things are and how off the rails we are especially when it comes to sex and gender and all that that entails, there is a a bill in the state of California that's being proposed that would require, this is crazy, that would require uh, insurance companies that sell health insurance to cover the cost of surrogate mothers for male gay couples. You following me on that? You want to have your gay male couple? You want to have a baby? Even though they say men can get pregnant, I guess they're acknowledging, no, not really. Even though typically one in that couple identifies as female, right? Isn't that the way it works? So they're, they're looking at legislation that would require insurance companies to cover the cost of surrogates. They say that's in the name of fertility equality. (laughs) It's nuts. They're wanting to define infertility as a status as opposed to a medical condition, changing the definition to a person's inability to reproduce either as an individual or with their partner without medical intervention. So that would classify gay men as infertile. Nuts. Christopher Green, law professor of Ole Miss, coming up at 1037. We're in the Element Well Studios just getting started. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
back in the Element Well Studios, middays. Once again, Professor Christopher Green coming on in the next segment. We're going to talk about this recent Supreme Court opinion. This was a a uh, voting rights case, and of course, we've got an opinion mainly about redistricting as well. So, uh, looks like they're going to force Alabama to redraw their lines, and that may affect some other states. We'll get into that with the professor. Bob Getty, the host of Super Talk Eagle Hour, is going to join us at 11.05. What about USM? They're taking on the volunteers of Tennessee today, later on. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. (laughs) Got a little chance of rain, right? Just a little. Yeah. (laughs) More like a coin flip at the beginning, and the later it gets, the more serious chance it gets. Hmm. Okay. So they're supposed to play, and this would be the old rubber game of the series, the three-game series. Winner take all. Is headed to Omaha. We are pulling for the Golden Eagles, big time. Wouldn't bother me if Tennessee lost here. Just want you to know that. Wouldn't bother (laughs) me one bit. (laughs) I just hope they can actually get the game in and, and Southern Miss wins. I mean, that's my hope, because... There is going to be so much gnashing of teeth if it comes down to a tiebreaker or a technicality because they couldn't get the game in due to weather. You're right about that. So if I'm not mistaken, the rules state that if they cannot get the game done, I believe it's by midnight tonight, then they just the host advances. And there was so much consternation over who should have hosted, whether it be Hattiesburg or Knoxville, that the Orange fan base will be up in arms if they don't at least have a chance to Hmm. win it on the field. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Won't that be something? Won't that be something? Well, we are going to talk to Bob Getty about that, get his take on the first two games where the team split. Southern took the first, Tennessee took the second. Southern was leading in the second. Gave up the lead and ended up losing to Tennessee, and that's why we got a third game. But they set themselves up perfectly. I mean, you had the game one win, although it was stretched out over two days, and then they had their ace coming in for game two. Yeah, exactly. Just couldn't quite get it done. I know. A little surprising. But we'll see. We are going to get the rundown from Bob Getty. Later on today. So, somebody asked, can Dickie Scruggs even vote? I thought about that. I know he can't. If he's a convicted felon, then no. Right. He can't uh, practice law, right? He's been disbarred, pretty sure. But it doesn't prevent him from donating to a campaign, as he has. Interesting. Just can't make donations to a federal judge. Right. In a manila envelope. Right, exactly. And Can't non-sequential do. bills. That's a little problematic, isn't it? <laughs> I, honestly, it'd be hard for me after that to be as public-facing as Mr. Scruggs is. But that's that just, just me. goes to show he has no shame. It does make and you again, wonder. Most Democrats and liberals don't have any shame. The country would be better off if they did, but they're incapable of it. One thing that I am totally aware of 
is that Mr. Scruggs opposes, rather strongly opposes, school choice. He knows that I have been an advocate for school choice since 2014, when Empower Mississippi was founded by Grant Callen, the president. He's been on the program many times and asked me to serve as the board chair. I'm honored and happy to do that now. For nine years, I've been the chair and have um, supported that cause with time and treasure, honestly. Mr. Scruggs disagrees with the concept, with the principle of school choice, and that's, I think, one of the reasons that he likes to um, troll me a bit. He doesn't anymore like he used to. He doesn't at the rate he used to, but there was a time. He's made it very clear, though. He's a big opponent of school choice. I think the lieutenant governor, as well, is no big fan of school choice. Maybe he's moderating on that a bit, but we'll certainly ask him where he stands on that when we speak to him as we approach the uh, the primaries here. And we'll get the take, of course, from his opponent, Chris McDaniel, as well. We learned this morning, right, Shane Quick, another candidate for lieutenant governor on the Republican side. There were four, Tiffany Longino. Mr. Quick, I believe, has exited the race, right? Yeah, I haven't seen anything official, but that has been the scuttlebutt that he's dropped out. Okay. I don't believe Miss Longino has exited. I think she's still in the race. So if it's true that Shane Quick has dropped out, then... We have three, the incumbent, Chris McDaniel, the senator, and, of course, Tiffany Longino. Paula Meridian says, we like Chris McDaniel for lieutenant governor and you for our new senator. Appreciate that, Paul. We'll see where all that goes. Let's see. With all due respect to Southern Miss, says Sam from Mount Hermon, if they would have played like LSU played this past weekend, there would be no game three. Okay. Could be. Greg and Newton says some felons can vote. How does that work? Some felons. Okay. We'll see what we can find out about that. There there are definitely some felonies that you do not lose voting privileges, says Chris from Oxford. How about that? Uh, I didn't know that. We'll we'll see what we can find out. Y'all look at Robert St. John's response to Tennessee fans complaining there's not an Applebee's in Hattiesburg. Hilarious. We saw that. It was great. He said something to the effect of Applebee's not really being fine dining, right? Of course, Robert St. John. Well, it all started when Tennessee fans on social media were trying to dog Hattiesburg as being a terrible place to host because <laughs> they couldn't even support an Applebee's. Because the Applebee's wouldn't stay open. Where do they come up with that from? It's terrible <laughs> trash talk. <laughs> Can't they come up with something else to complain about? I mean, that's pretty weak. Well, maybe that's because they're great Mississippi-based and owned restaurants in Hattiesburg, such as Robert St. John's, Mid-City Grill, the great one. By the way, uh, people convicted of a felony are barred from voting only if they have been convicted of one or more of the following specific felony crimes. Okay. Murder, rape, bribery, 
ding, 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 theft, arson, obtaining money or goods under false pretense, perjury, forgery, embezzlement, bigamy, armed robbery, extortion, felony bad check, felony shoplifting, larceny, receiving stolen property, robbery, timber larceny, unlawful taking of motor vehicle, wow. statutory rape, carjacking, or larceny under lease or rental agreement. Okay, so what does that mean to Scruggs? Uh, the uh, bribery ability to vote. So I think his his crime fits the bill to be banned from voting. Okay. Interesting. Ben from Madison says feels like <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Hoseman has some momentum building. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep it going. When and so uh how how did you conclude that, Ben? What's what are you seeing? Just curious I'm not disputing you arguing with you just curious what what do you define as momentum what are you seeing out there is it more public appearances is it a larger proliferation of ads yeah um money certainly i don't think there's any question about oh, yeah. that fundraising more public appearances i would call that a draw honestly but i don't know i'm not counting them it's just anecdotal eyeball so I'm I'm not really sure, but that's that's a curious observation. Well, let's see what else we got here. We had an Applebee's in Oxford, says Chris from Oxford, forever. But good lord, it was horrible. The service was kind of weak, wasn't it, Chris? I ate there a few times as well. The service was kind of left uh, some to be desired there. As someone who has worked at an Applebee's, I was surprised how much was cooked in the microwave. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> Interesting. Well, we got to get to this uh, situation with Donald Trump. Man, this indictment. We touched on it a bit Friday, but we were on a remote and had lots of guests. We'll have to touch on that some more, discuss that some more. Lots of different takes on that. I've got some thoughts as well, but right now we've got a break on our hands. We'll take it. We're in the Element Well Studios, and when we return, it's Christopher Green, law professor at Ole Miss. Stay with us. Started today. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back in the Element Well Studios, it's middays, kicking off a brand new week on this Monday, of course. Joining us now, Christopher Greenlaw, professor at the University of Mississippi. Good morning, Professor. Good to see you again, sir. Good morning. Good to see you. Yes, sir. So we had this uh, this case uh, decision handed down last week by the Supreme Court, uh, I guess primarily, if not exclusively, pertaining to the state of Alabama. 
in the way the state legislature drew its uh, congressional districts, and they found that uh, there was some gerrymandering going on. says they're upholding, the Supreme Court did, a uh, provision in the Voting Rights Act prohibiting racial gerrymandering. Is is that about right, the way I described it that? Well, sort of. They, okay. uh, so it is a uh, Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act says you can't do things that result in an abridgment of the right to vote. Um, it actually, to some extent, encourages an element of racial gerrymandering in that there's certain plaintiffs who say, hey, uh, out of these seven districts uh, that the state has, we've had one majority African-American uh, uh, district. We could have two. Hmm. So the dissent that wanted to say, hey, they can they can just have one, they were actually the ones saying, hey, we shouldn't be having uh, so much attention to race in how we draw these district lines. So there's, there's an odd uh, back and forth uh, about charges of, uh, of gerrymandering and, and kind of race consciousness. The, and the statute itself, I think, invites this kind of complication. It says uh, anything that results in an abridgment uh, is uh, uh, violates the, the statute, but there's no entitlement to proportional representation. Okay. Uh, and the dissent uh, made, I think, a pretty good point saying, well, how exactly are you going to figure out what this is if it's not a question of proportional representation? <laughs> so if you look at uh, other states, Louisiana, uh, the governor said, hey, you know, if you look at the number of con- uh, Congress uh, people we've got uh, and the proportion of the uh, African-American population, seems like we should have some more. That is actually uh, uh, kind of proportional type thinking. The, the statute says it doesn't give that. Hmm. So it's a uh, it's an odd uh, kind of odd statute with a whole bunch of odd precedent on top of it. And then, um, yeah, there were a 5-4 decision last spring about whether to let the uh, districts go forward. And then a different 5-4 uh, last week uh, saying that they can't go forward. So the 22, uh, 2022 uh, uh, districts are not going to be the same as the 2024 in Alabama and probably a bunch of other states. At least they're going to uh, try to make these claims fly uh, there. So it could, you know, it could be, you know, four, five, six House seats at stake. Um, some people are saying, oh, my goodness, if they had uh, had this decision back in 2022, uh, it would have changed the composition of the House possibly. Hmm. So it's uh, every single House seat matters uh, when you got uh, got a, a House divided as, as closely as it is. Of course, you know, there's. All kinds of things going to affect the 2024 election. Yeah. Uh, most uh, most importantly, who's going to who's going to be the uh, uh, the candidates at the top of the ticket? Because right. that always produces a huge effect in the in the congressional races as well. So my understanding is the court the court said that when Alabama drew the districts, they did so uh, such that one district had the majority of African American voters in that district, and the rest were kind of dispersed in the other districts so that they really couldn't overcome, uh, I guess, the white composition, the more Republican composition uh, in those districts. And we should also uh, indicate that Alabama has seven members of Congress, right, of which six are Republican, one is Democrat. And if you looked at, to your point, Professor, this proportionate sort of uh, districting, 
the composition of the state of Alabama is 67% white, 26% roughly African-American. So if you do the math on that, it does come out to be five-plus districts would be sort of white represented. That's assuming that white voters in Alabama are more inclined to vote Republican. So how do they fix this? What's the outcome? What are they looking for as a cure? Well, I mean, basically what the Supreme Court has told uh, lower courts to do are to use these three factors from this 1986 case, uh, 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 Jingles, and... I mean, so the, the big question is, you know, you know, you know, results in an abridgment. The big question uh, that the court really didn't answer uh, was compared to what? Yeah. Um, and it, it, uh, Alabama said, well, the, what, it, the, the, the thing you should be comparing it to would be what you would get if it were completely race neutral. If you just used a neutral uh, districting uh, criteria and they said, look, if you... Uh, you know, if you, you take the computer programs that produce these districts and you say, uh, I want to have, you know, traditional uh, uh, criteria of compactness and just different different things you, you want to do, respecting county boundaries, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, if you run two million simulations, none of them have two majority African-American districts. And uh, uh, but the majority didn't really come up with uh, an alternative. They just said, well, we're not going to use that because that would be contrary to what we've been doing for uh, for 35 years. Um, but it, you know, there's a lot of different things you could do other than having districts, really. Uh, so you could just say everybody in the state gets one vote and then you just take the top, uh, you know, for if you have seven candidates, uh, just take the top seven people. So sure. people all over the state could, could, could <laughs> have affinity groups. Um, Part of the idea of having districts is local interests get to combine together. You know, so Oxford, we've got, you know, you know, we want to send somebody uh, uh, to Congress to the extent we can who's just really obsessed with, you know, the university and you know, <laughs> university interests. Alabama, they've got, of course, a Gulf Coast just like we do. And uh, one of the arguments Alabama made, they said, well, we want to keep the coast together to kind of have a coastal uh, a congressperson to get, you know, you know, naval contracts and all that kind of stuff. You're trying to get out of the feds. Uh, and the, uh, the, the, the maps that had two majority African American, uh, 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 districts, they would require the, the Gulf to be split up. And basically the court, uh, last week said, well, the, the fact that you want to keep the Gulf together isn't enough of a good reason, <laughs> uh, to, uh, uh, not to have a second, uh, uh, majority black district. So, you know, as, as with a lot of areas, you you don't really have a lot of clear rules. You have a lot of uh, it's a multi-factor balancing test. I mean, actually, the the statute itself uh, says, you know, what's a violation uh, based on the totality of the circumstances. So you consider all these relevant factors, uh, similar to what they've done in other occasions under Section Two. Uh, but it is uh, it 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 gives gives the uh, a bad feeling to people who want clear rules. Um, but there's a lot of things Congress could do if they, you know, if they were inclined to come up with a, uh, uh, with a compromise, which, you know, there are some politically neutral compromises. Uh, some of the no districting, uh, uh, things are a little, uh, little different from how we've usually done things. We, we, we traditionally have districts. So that, but that has always invited gerrymandering of one kind or another. Yeah. So is that, is that uh, you know, legal, rather than professor? having the legislature be able to pick their voters, 
you could uh, you could just allow affinity groups from different different ways if you uh, if you had at large with you know give everybody one vote give everybody seven votes uh, give, you know uh, so you can uh, you can allow <laughs> oh, you know, like give, give them some votes and let them let them put them uh, put more than one vote on one person okay and then just take the top top out of that uh, given that the you know, a lot of the elections are basically nationalized. There aren't, you know, as many local issues. I think there's there's something to be said for for that kind of approach. Is that even that's legal? I assume. I mean, I didn't even know that. So a state could just say, hey, we don't have districts. We just pick our our reps based on the number we're allocated based on population. No, states can't do that by themselves. So okay. Uh, okay. there's a there's a there's a federal statute that says. Um, how you how you can do it? So you might remember uh, twenty years ago uh, we had the Branch versus Smith case when Mississippi lost a representative, and there's actually a statute saying if you lose a representative, uh, then you uh, you have at large elections. And what the Supreme Court said uh, was, well, that only applies in an emergency where you can't have a okay. court come in and, and redraw the districts. Uh, so historically, there haven't been a whole lot of at large elections. Uh, they tend to be used, frankly, as a as a device for evading uh, minority voting rights. Right. Uh, so it doesn't have a great history. But if you did, it, there are ways to do it, which would be completely quite respectful of minority voting uh, rights. It would actually could be more uh, uh, respectful in the sense of encouraging, you know, one you know fifth of the of a of a state with five reps or one fourth of the the folks in Mississippi they could get together and you know elect somebody. You know, a little, little more radical maybe than the mainstream Republican Party uh, would tend to put up. Um, you could do the same, some kind of thing to uh, preserve or promote uh, minority uh, racial, uh, racial mm. minority voting rights. Mm. Uh, so there's, there's, there's just, there's always a choice between how much centralization of the decision making you want to encourage and how much decentralization uh, you want. And you know, when you get the, the political parties in charge of, of things in Congress as much as they are, they tend to be uh, things that promote centralized uh, decision making. Professor, always appreciate your perspective and, and insight, sir. Good to talk to you. I'm sure we'll be talking some more about this and other stuff in the near future. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. More coming down the pike before too long. Yes, sir. Professor Christopher Green, Ole Miss Law School, has been our guest here on Middays. We're taking a break. We're in the Element Well Studios coming right back. Three. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. us into this segment here of Middays, one of their early hits, Cold as Ice, the great Lou Graham on the vocals there. So it seems like that that the nation, uh, at least on the left, is consumed with all this crazy sex stuff. And every day there's something new you learn about 
and it just it tops the day before in terms of craziness. A female-only spa up there in Washington. The Olympus Spa. So the females go into the spa area, and apparently it's compulsory for them to be nude. You're shaking your head. You've yeah. seen this, right? I think I got this right. It's compulsory, and that's yeah. fine. And so the owner, but who, by the way, is a Christian, the owners, say, okay, unfortunately, you knew this was going to happen. they got to deal with this. What's their gendered stuff, right? We're obsessed with that. We're constantly dealing with it. So a male who has gone through the surgical treatment to make themselves look like a female, they've had their male parts removed or, I guess... I don't even think they've gone that far. ...resected to at least appear to be female. They're allowed in the spot. That's kind of the policies of the proprietors. But apparently, some dude shows up that hasn't undergone the surgery, but identifies as a female, but still has his male parts. And he shows up, goes into the spa, and that caused a ruckus, and went to court, and the court rules that that's discrimination orders the spa owners to allow this male with all their male parts who identifies as a female in the spa with all the other females kowtowing to crazy people with their stuff their package hanging out right is am i reporting this accurately oh yeah Unbelievable. They said that the spa was designed, did the owners, on the belief that a male and female should not ordinarily be in each other's presence while in the nude unless married to each other. (laughs) The services provided by the spa require the patrons to be fully naked. And the employees who work there are all female. It's a female spa. But this dude says, uh-uh, I want to bust up in there with my stuff hanging out in the nude. This is crazy. And the court says, yeah, you got to do that. So it makes you wonder, does it not? What is the goal here? I can't figure it out. I, this is obviously a person who says, you say so many times, I think crazy. Yeah, crazy. Starving for attention. Absolutely starving for attention. Got to be. And over the weekend, of course, the president has this huge pride event. You saw that, right? At the, uh, I guess, was it at the White House? Is that where they had it? Yeah. I think it was at the White House. Yeah. With the pride flag in the middle. Right. The, the big pride the flag. American flags flanking it. Right. So it's on the lawn there, and you've got the corridor in view from upstairs at the White House looking out towards the Washington Monument. And all the pride celebration is occurring on that green space 
and you got the big flag hanging, and Biden tweets, Today the People's House, your house, sends a clear message to the country and to the world. America is a nation of pride. Oh, but that's not pandering. That's not giving any sort of preferential treatment to one demographic. I'm going to say again, I don't care who you love. I don't care what the hell you do to your body as an adult or in your bedroom. But you keep shoving it down our throats. I don't think that's really achieving the goal you want, which is to be just considered normal members of society and assimilate. I don't see it. In fact, I tell you what I think this whole pride stuff, and this is no slant against gay people, but the big-time vocal militant activists, they've politicized science, they've subordinated our flag. We saw that at the VA on the coast last week. They're destroying women's sports. They're destroying women's protective spaces, like the spa. They don't want you to have any rights with your kids. And in fact, they're promoting sterilization of kids. We're coming right back after the break here with Bob Getty. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of middays. We're live in the Element Wealth Studios. Today is Monday, so it's short show today. We've got Ricky Matthews with Super Talk Outdoors coming up at noon 05. But right now, it's Bob Getty, host of Super Talk Eagle Hour, going to give us the update on the Golden Eagles uh, big game today. Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Gerard. I appreciate it. A lot of excitement, as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, here in Hattiesburg. 5 p.m. showdown on ESPN2 with a trip to Omaha, Nebraska on the line. Quite a quite a day here in the Berg. Man, are we all pulling for it. I guarantee you. We want to see Southern Miss represent the great state of Mississippi in Omaha in the College World Series, and especially... Uh, the way the volunteers have sort of taken their shots at Hattiesburg and Southern Miss and Mississippi in general, uh, we'd like to see them go home, honestly. So set the game up for us today, Bob. Well, you're 100% right on the shots taken by the Tennessee fans, and nobody wants to send them go home any more than I do. So it's, uh, you know, it's game three tonight. The Golden Eagles have prevailed five to three in the first game. Uh, Tennessee came back, uh, from a four run deficit yesterday and, uh, to their credit, uh, won the game eight to four. Uh, they played 18 innings. Tennessee has scored in three of the 18 innings. That's the oddity of baseball, but yet the uh, series is one to one. Yeah. Tennessee probably has a, a little depth advantage in pitching tonight, although the Golden Eagles do have a young man by the name of uh, Nico Mazza, who's been very, very good all year, and Nico's going to start the game tonight. And uh, they still have, you know, Southern Miss still has some uh, some good arms that have not been used yet. So uh, from from our standpoint, uh, Gerard, we, we sort of see this as a 50-50 toss-up, two pretty evenly matched baseball teams, and uh 
anything can happen in baseball, but we think the Golden Eagles uh, will have that home crowd uh, advantage. It'll be a big, big crowd since it's at 5 o'clock. And uh, we remain optimistic here tonight that or today that the Golden Eagles can punch that ticket tonight to Omaha. And, Gerard, what a, what a, what a magical thing it would be. It was in 2009 that Corky Palmer announced his retirement. And the Eagles went on a run all the way to the World Series. And we're one game away from that, that fairy tale almost repeating itself. It's, uh, there's just so much on the line tonight. It's, it's pretty exciting. And you'd love to see Coach Barry, uh, make that trip. Oh. Man. I told Paul Gallo this morning that, that Scott Barry's a great coach, but Scott Barry's a better man than he is a coach. And, uh, he's a beloved figure here throughout, uh, South Mississippi and, yeah, from the players to the fans to the administration, we, we really all want to see this badly for, for Scott Berry, yes. Yeah. All right, so what's the weather look like? We talked about that a little bit earlier on the program. 50-50 shot of uh, the rain, right? Well, that's what we heard. Now, one of my uh, employees just came in and, uh, and showed me that they dropped that to 40% by okay. uh, first pitch tonight at 5. So it's beginning to look a little better. We're certainly hoping... Uh, that there's not a rain delay. Lightning is what worries you because it, yeah, they can play in the rain largely on a turf field, but they're not going to play if it's lightning. So, you know, it, it appears to be getting a little better, and uh, we think that ESPN moving the game to, to uh, 5 o'clock was a wise move because we're expecting some rain here in the next few hours for sure. So, Bob, what's your understanding of uh, what plays out if for some reason they're not able to complete this game today uh, because of weather? Well, you know, uh, that's an interesting question. And uh, with only two games left in the Super Regionals, if they couldn't play the game tonight, uh, you would only assume that they would try to play the game Tuesday morning or Tuesday early in the day because somebody's going to win and somebody has to have time to make preparations to be sure. in Omaha for the opening ceremonies at the end of the week. So uh, I would assume that if the weather knocks things out, well, first I'll say I think they're going to do everything they can yeah. so we could be playing at 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, if not, then I think they would come back early. I remember several years ago, Mississippi State was here at a regional, and I want to say that that game ended at 1 or 2 o'clock Tuesday morning because yeah. of weather delays. So my guess is, Gerard, they're going to do everything humanly possible to finish that game by tonight. Okay. Well, set up the uh, the, the pitching for us uh, for the Volunteers. Who have they got on the hill tonight? Who's scheduled? Well, they have their number three guy. We, you know, we were told uh, at the start of the uh, the start of the series that they have three starters that are potential top three round draft choices. You know, drafted in the first yep. three rounds of the major uh, league draft. So they have a lot of arms. Here's an example. Yesterday, uh, their pitcher threw his 105th pitch. And it was 96 miles an hour. Unbelievable. They brought in a relief pitcher who never got under 100 miles an hour. <laughs> so Tennessee has some really high-quality arms. Uh, I don't know the young man's name, but he is their number three starter. Nico Mazza has actually not been the number three starter most of the year for Southern Miss. He's been a relief pitcher. But it's all hands on deck. And, yeah. uh, and we think Southern Miss has the best pitching coach in the country in Christian Ostrander. And uh, there's a saying down here, we have faith in Oz. And uh, so we have faith tonight that uh, 
that Oz will steer them through this. But Tennessee, very, very stout with their pitching. No credit, no, no question about that. How would you contrast the offenses of the respective teams? I actually think Southern Miss has a little bit of an edge offensively. Uh, Tennessee hit one big home run yesterday, but other than that, Southern Miss has pretty well contained the Tennessee offense. Southern Miss made four errors yesterday that led to a number of those runs that the Volunteers scored. I give Southern Miss a slight edge offensively, and I give Southern Miss a slight edge defensively in the field. I give the edge in pitching depth uh, and pitching talent to the University of Tennessee. Yeah. But, you know, as you well know, uh, Bob, it literally could be an inch here and there of a hit ball, oh. and that and that sort of oh. gets to the head, and then everything just changes. I mean, it's the, the, the game is sort of momentum is determined by each pitch in the game of baseball. Uh, could just flip things That's around. Correct. No, you're 100%. I'll give you a quick example of that. Hill Denson, former coach here, uh, has been a tournament director for NCAA tournaments for a number of years. He tells me a story of several years ago, Ole Miss was playing Virginia, in the third game deciding who went to the World Series. Ole Miss, with runners in second and third, hit a sharp line drive down first the first baseline with two outs, and it was two inches outside of the foul line. The very next inning, same situation, Virginia hits the same pitch, the same shot, two inches inside the foul line. Virginia goes to the World Series and Ole Miss doesn't. So Unbelievable. That's that's baseball. Yeah, right. That's what makes the, the game so great, and why you. It's just hard to to predict, honestly, uh, the outcome of baseball games. It's you just don't know, and on any given day, any team can beat any other uh, in the game of baseball. Uh, and as you well know, that's one hundred percent right. You got yeah. JUCOs that have got got pitchers that could mow down D one teams. They got at least one on a really quality JUCO team. That could mow them down. And you'll see them in the majors on the hill a couple of years after their yeah. JUCO career. So it's a it's an interesting game in, in that respect. And it truly is more of the game of inches, as uh, Coach Denson pointed out to you. So I, a, a quick uh, personal connection there, Bob. I played at uh, St. Joe Baseball here in Jackson. Uh, when right. Coach Denson was the head coach at Callaway. I pitched against him when he was the head coach at Callaway, Callaway right. High School. That was a long time ago. But yeah. you could tell then he was going to go places. He's just a quality guy. I played for the legendary D.M. Howie, uh, of course, here mm-hmm. in Mississippi in the Hall of Fame. But it's going to be fun, and, and we're pulling for uh, the Golden Eagles. So don't want to look ahead too much, but who would they match up with in Omaha? LSU. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> but that would be that'd so be don't great. Get it, don't get any easier, <laughs> No, it doesn't. But it shouldn't be when you're among uh, the eight in Omaha. So it, it it's the way it should be. And it's boy, what uh, a lot of interest there would be in such a matchup in Omaha. I mean, you got two programs that are. Uh, less than 100 miles apart from each other going to Omaha to play baseball on the big stage of college baseball. Who played in the regionals last year against each other. Right, right. Three heavyweight fights between Southern Miss and LSU in the regionals last year. Remember it well. So uh, before we go here, 
Have you talked to any members of the team? we got about a minute left. What's their attitude? What are their thoughts? Confident kids. They're a gritty bunch of kids. Uh, as uh, Dustin Dickerson said last night, the message is simple. We win, we go to the World Series, we lose, we're going home. We're going to come out and play really hard. I love it. I love it. Bob, uh, best of luck to you and great coverage uh, on the Super Regional, sir. And we're pulling for the Golden Eagles tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Gerard. You got it. Bob Getty, host of Super Talk Eagle Hour here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well Studios. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. Bumping us into this segment here of Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are, I even got my Golden Eagles gold shirt on today. You noticed, I did oh, yeah. that intentionally. This old Miss Rebels pulling for the Eagles. Want to see them in the uh, World Series. And I'm serious about not taking too kindly to the Tennessee fans' uproar. That was ridiculous. There's just sore. Let's be honest. Tennessee didn't know what baseball was until a couple years ago. But seriously. Oh, yeah. They were riding the coattails of a long-forgotten football team and cheering on their women's basketball team that was world beaters until recently. That's right. I mean, that was, that was kind but of... they were not known for baseball. Not known for baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, what happened to a company's rights of refusing service, says Chris from Oxford. I think he's talking about the story we shared with the spa that was compelled by court order, a female spa, to allow males to expose themselves in the spa with their full male genitalia simply because, well, they... They have convinced themselves in their heads, at least, that they are really females. We're obsessed with this. This stuff has invaded every corner of society. At the institutional level, the corporate level, the government level. It's nuts. I I don't get it. Why does one group, based on their sexual orientation, get a whole month? And every corporation thinks they gotta they gotta weigh in. They gotta take some action, some sort of recognition, something. It's crazy. And again, I don't care what they do. And I respect and believe they have full rights to love whomever they want, to have sex with whomever they want, except except children. Draw the line there. But I'm talking about consenting adults. Don't care. But you know 
what the the way the Democrats describe Republican reaction is that you want to tell people who they got to love. I really haven't seen that. What am I missing? I haven't well, seen these that. these are the same people that think if you don't buy into their fairy tale that a dude with a beard and an Adam's apple wearing a dress is really a woman, then you are enabling transgenocide. It's crazy. They're all crazy. you got to be crazy to vote Democrat, to be liberal, to be a leftist. you got to be at least a little bit crazy. just seems like they're latched on to this sort of stuff that I, I don't know how that really improves the quality of life in America. And again, I, I don't believe that that gay folks, LGBTQ people, should be discriminated against. And I've had this talk with um, other business owners, for example, because that's where you would typically think about it, right? That there would be some sort of discrimination in hiring, promotion, compensation, and who a company uh, chooses as their suppliers, that they discriminate against them in that respect, or their customers. Now, I believe that a company should have the right to do business with whoever the hell they want for any reason, or not to do so for any reason, unless it's bound by some sort of contract or condition of licensing, but that's pretty rare, honestly. Now, I know as a business person for a long time, I didn't really care. I like money. Like Michael Jordan says, you know, Republicans spend money, too. They buy tennis shoes. That just wasn't an issue. I didn't consider it in my hiring practices, promotion, compensation. didn't matter. If they were providing value, doing the job, that's all I cared about. I think that's the vast majority of business people. And I've talked to to um, casually other business owners. Business owners, by the way, that like me, object to the fact that we got a whole month, object to the fact that the president makes this huge deal out of this one demographic, has a big celebration on the lawn. I object to that. But as far as hiring and promotion and selling and buying from, no. I don't factor that into my decisions. But you know what? If I if I did, I believe I should have a right to do so. I just think they blow this thing up so that, oh, yeah, they're just depressed. I just don't see it. I'm not seeing it. It's because they're so wrapped up in this rainbow religion they can't see reality anymore. It's the same thing with race. I just don't see it. I mean, look at the stories that come out time and time again of these woke cities painting rainbow crosswalks on the street where cars drive and then getting upset when there are tire marks on their precious rainbow, (laughs) their sacred religious symbol. That's crazy. Uh, On the ceasefire text line, somebody sent us a photo of a pride display at Kroger, 51 in Madison. That's not a surprise. I mean, it's virtually every corporation. And Kroger is, uh, honestly, they're heavily invested in social activism. but that, So that's not a surprise. You've probably seen Cracker Barrel. You wouldn't think that? Now they've got their pride rocking, rocking chair. chairs on the porch. <laughs> not surprising. Chick-fil-A has got a big DEI group now. 
I mean, companies that you traditionally would not think would succumb to this, they're all in. I call it woke insurance. They're absolutely all in. Whether or not they completely support and agree with all these this stuff, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to tell. But it's pervasive. There's no question about that. It's, it's um, sweeping the country, and I, I don't know that there's anything that's going to reverse that, except if, if people start to, I guess, vote with their pocketbook, so to speak, and it has a negative financial impact. But you're seeing that with Bud Light and Target. No doubt about it. It's, it's, it's affected them in a serious way talking about from a financial perspective, but they're doubling down. Many of them are. But I will point out that I don't, I'm not a big fan of, of boycotts, and, and I pointed that out because as a business owner who relied on customers for revenue and profit and substance, I, I hope that they wouldn't make their decisions on doing business with my company based on my philosophical views and my political views. Just just don't talk about it. Just leave it alone, Kroger. We don't need that. Leave it alone, Cracker Barrel. You don't need that. How about a... It does feel like the pendulum is swinging back more towards normal. I mean, you saw the news coming out of Major League Baseball where they've, they've changed their directive and... Now, Major League Baseball teams will not have rainbow-themed uniforms for Pride this year. I saw that. They did. So it, it's not worthy Maybe they're starting of, to figure out that if you, if you try to pander to this infinitesimally small percentage of the population, you're going to lose a larger percentage of your fans because they're tired of it being shoved down their throat. That's the point. Just play baseball. Just play baseball, right, in the case of them. Kroger, just sell groceries. I mean, if they want to have, I guess, a special sort of display of goods that are, I guess, targeted to pride buyers, okay. But don't do like Target did and target, no pun intended, children and give it more prominent display I mean, it's like Cracker Barrel. I mean, that's so token noticeable. Is there going to be a cisgender white male rocking chair displayed? And and then the VA in Biloxi that drew some protests, and they ultimately took it down. Members of our delegation in Washington wrote letters there, I think appropriately. But... Honestly, I don't want a pride flag at the VA. I I don't want a flag representing any group. A U.S. flag? Absolutely. The American flag? Flags that uh, of our armed forces? Absolutely. Maybe POW, MIA? Maybe. But some special group based on sexual orientation? That's got no place on a U.S. military installation. Any more than it does at the White House. And the thing that they claim to support and promote more than anything, unity, all they're doing is dividing. That just divides people. 
We're coming right back with half an hour left in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. baby. We're back with you in the Element Well Studios. It's middays. Let's see, we're here all week except Wednesday. I'll be at Mississippi Blood Services on the road again, but not too terribly far. Uh, out there in Rankin County. Looking forward to that in Flowood. Mississippi Blood Services headquarters there. They need blood. That's why we're going. And then, let's see, in a week or two, we're at the Mississippi Municipal League. In Biloxi. And you know where we're going to have fun this year is up at the Neshoba County Fair. Ain't that going to be something? Oh, yeah. Woo-hoo! And it'll probably be really hot. I'm thinking it will. So, on the C Spire text line, somebody said, yeah, Jack and Jack down. The market will work it out. In parentheses, as a famous radio host often suggests. Don't know about famous, but yes, that is what I believe. Thank you for that, Jack. Market will sort it out. You do stupid stuff, Bud Light, Target, the market will punish your butt the way it should be. And now Target's getting it from both sides. What's that? The Alphabet Mafia is upset that Target hasn't stood firm with them. Oh, my gosh. That's why you shouldn't. Venture into those treacherous waters. Leave it the hell alone. Just sell stuff in the store and promote the stuff. Not be a social justice activist. That's not what corporations do. That's not what the military should do. That's not what our government should do. Man. Well, the market's punishing you, Target. It's punishing you, Bud Light. And the only reason, Rhino, it's not punishing some of these other people is because they just hadn't been outed yet. They're all in the same dang boat. They all think they got to pander and placate, promote, give preferential treatment. Gosh, I read a report. I don't have time to get into it today. I might tomorrow. Bank of America. I was so disappointed reading that report. My gosh. The stuff they're doing. Now, we don't have a big presence of Bank of America here in Mississippi. But they're the second largest bank, I believe, in the country, behind J.P. Morgan. And when I read some of the stuff, Brian Monahan, the CEO of the company, is up to, it hurt me. It hurt me because, dang, man, you're a bank. Can't you just focus on taking care of people's money, loaning money, investing? That's what banks do. Which, speaking of J.P. Morgan, they have now settled with the victims of Epstein for basically allowing Epstein to run roughshod over their banking system. Yep. 
And once again, we still don't have the list of people that Epstein was working with. Yep, you're right. I'll give you a taste of Brian Moynihan and Bank of America. They're monitoring purchases by their depositors, tracking emissions. They've built some systems where they're like watching for you buying gas and the vehicle that you buy and stuff like that, Who you know, because you make the payments typically, the installment payments. They're helping fund abortions. They're all about attacking Second Amendment rights. They're, they're big time into environmental social governance, acronym ESG. They're, they track those metrics to lock individuals and businesses out of key banking services. They're terrible. And it would not surprise me if more of this doesn't get exposed and it starts affecting them. And when it affects them, then they lose market value. They may lose customers. They're building a system, think about this, to track consumers' carbon emissions and monitor their driving. This is a bank. This is not appropriate for a bank. It's not germane to a bank's business. Man. So the Trump indictment. Just watch some video here in the studio. He's on the big Trump plane, headed uh, from New Jersey down to Florida, where he will be in court tomorrow in Miami. You know that the disturbing, most disturbing aspect of this whole deal is, in fact, to me, the two-tier system of justice. If Donald Trump broke the law, well, then he ought to suffer the consequences. But so should everybody else that breaks the law. And that is so comical. It's Actually, it's infuriating. I go from being infuriated to laughing when I see these left-wing folks. Nobody's above the law. Hakeem Jeffries. I think he was the first one to go to Twitter and blast Trump. Nobody's above the law stuff. I think it was actually Hillary that was first to the punch with her, but her emails hats she was selling on her I website. I saw that. She had that stupid hat on. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, Hillary. I mean, how brazen do you have to be to sell merchandise Laughing in the face of the fact that you mishandled classified documents. She certainly did. She certainly did. Through her personal email and then wiped them out. She should be held accountable. Trump was right. Lock her up. Now, I'm for her being afforded our legal process, of course. That, I mean, everybody in this country is entitled to that. They have rights under our laws. If they've been accused of committing a crime, she has. Her butt needs to be in court. She needs to be prosecuted accordingly. And by the way, the Presidential Records Act doesn't apply to a Secretary of State. It applies to the President. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the Constitution doesn't even have Secretary of State. There's no reference to that. The president and the executive branch 
And in fact, if you read the Constitution, the president is the executive branch. That's the way it was designed. It was brilliant. But we dismiss that for political gain. Hakeem Jeffrey said, The rule of law is central to the integrity of our democracy. It must be applied without fear or favor to everyone, except you are. You're applying it without equality. You're applying it in a way that provides favor to certain people, like Hillary Clinton, like Joe Biden. Who, by the way, the Presidential Records Act didn't apply to him either. He was a vice president. And he sticks all those documents in his garage. Now, here's where I stand on this. I don't want any of that happening. I don't care who they are. I don't want our deepest, most sensitive military secrets and information about our nuclear program or plans to attack Iran. I don't want that out of out of the the the, uh, the confines of where it's most heavily protected. That's where it should be. Not at a resort, not at a garage. Now that being said, the law's got to be applied equally here. You can't have Banana Republic two-tiered systems of justice. You just can't. And that ought to shake everybody to their core, what we're witnessing. It, it How could you not look at the events that have unfolded and say, well, this is all politically motivated? Any clear-thinking person could see that. And why is it the media? In fact, if we got time, we got some sound here from... My uh, my favorite there, Vivek Ramaswamy, he talked to uh, Dana Bash, and uh, he basically calls out the media. He says, we're doing the bidding for you. You're not asking the hard questions. They're not. He, he asked Dana Bash, well, how come you're not asking of Joe Biden? What was your conversation with Merrick Garland like regarding this situation. And Merrick Garland, what was your conversation like with the um, the person, the, the lawyer that is going after Trump, Smith? Why aren't they asking those questions? Because they're all obsessed with Trump and doing everything in their power to prevent him from running because the polls show he'd win. By the way, his polling numbers went up after the indictment in the primary. He now has a 38-point lead on his nearest competitor, and that's Ron DeSantis. 38 points. Ramaswamy hit Dana Bash pretty hard on it. I was proud of him because he, I think what he said is absolutely spot on. How come you guys aren't asking these questions? That's what you should be doing. That's the role of the media, to be curious. That's like top of the list, right, as a journalist. Be curious. Think like that. Final segment on this short Monday, coming back after the break here. It's middays, and we're in the Element Well Studios. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
We are back in the Element Well Studios, our final segment today after the noon break, where you'll receive, of course, reports from Fox News and Super Talk News. It's Ricky Matthews with Super Talk Outdoors. Josh in the Delta says, if I took classified documents from my job, I would be fired. Why not hold politicians to the same standards? You know, it, it does make me think maybe that even with the Presidential Records Act, where a president can unilaterally just declassify documents, maybe we ought to rethink that, honestly. Maybe we ought to rethink whether or not presidents can just take those documents and house them off-site somewhere. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel I like I would argue the other direction, because we over-classify way too much, and because of that, we're allowing big manufacturers to double dip in the defense budget at the Pentagon. I think that's true. Because the left hand isn't talking to the right hand. The left hand asked for X, Y, and Z, and the right hand already asked for X, Y, and Z. It's two years into development, but the left hand's going to pay money, and the right hand's going to pay money for the same dang thing. I, I agree. And so that tells me that we probably ought to revisit the standards around what qualifies as information that should be so-called classified. Uh, it just looks like the whole thing ought to have some light shined on it, and we ought to really think about that. I would also say, in my experience in business, anytime you do something that's questionable like this, the lawyers always come back and say, were there any damages? Right? So the question here is here, in the case of Trump, were there any damages? Okay, maybe you shouldn't have had those documents, but what did that really cost? And we might not know, honestly. I mean, it could be that there's sensitive military secrets that have made their way into the wrong hands and nothing's happened yet. Who knows? But that's why I say maybe we ought to rethink how all this works. But that still, still doesn't stand in the way of the need for consistent application of the law. And that's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing double standards big time, and that aggravates people. It does me. It's not right. Not right. Now, we got uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He was on the show with Dana Bash over there at CNN. Here's what he said. That is not the stuff of the United States of America. That is the stuff of banana republics. And if there was ever going to be a case brought against a lead political rival for a sitting U.S. president, it better be locked down and airtight, not an indictment that fails to mention the most relevant statute that's actually at issue. Yeah, well, it it is, obviously, as you said, it is unprecedented. I should say that uh, there have been democracies that have prosecuted, uh, put criminal prosecution of former leaders because those... uh, those times have been so extraordinary. And here in the and, middle of an election. And there, in the middle and this, of an election. And this obviously is very extraordinary. Uh, I, I disagree with the allegations. I just think I do not believe those allegations because of, I think, the intellectual dishonesty in that indictment. So I think the federal court is actually, I think, based on the precedent of the Clinton sock drawer case, where effectively Judge Jackson said that it is at the president's, her language, not mine, sole discretion as to what is and is not covered as a presidential record. I think the court will acquit him. But that's beside the point of the judgment that President Biden made. And if Trump's judgment was bad, President Biden's judgment is worse 
for actually bringing a prosecution. He should have he done what Trump did. President Biden didn't bring a prosecution. The Department of Justice reports into the President of the United States, and so this is a fig leaf, okay, which is why I think the media needs to get to the bottom no of But there's no evidence. There's absolutely no evidence, Dennis. unless you can show me some, that President Biden has had anything to do with this prosecution. Dennis, That's why he put two layers in between with With due respect, counsel. I think it is shameful that I, as a competitor to President Trump in this race, have to ask questions that the media isn't asking. The job of the political media, if it has one job, is to hold the U.S. government accountable. Yes, we know that. And instead, we're doing the bidding. You're seeing the media doing the bidding of the U.S. government. No. Ask the question. Get to the bottom of what Biden told Garland and what Garland told Jack Smith. If the same shoe fit the other foot, you would not take their word at face value. Do not take their word now. Get to the bottom of it. Let's actually restore journalism in this country. That's what's actually missing is Thank getting you. to the truth. Okay. Thank you for that. We are absolutely asking these questions. Good. And we know how to be good journalists because we do it every single day. Uh, last question is, on the fundamentals, do you believe that Donald Trump should be above the law? Or should he be oh, held gosh, as every citizen in this country? Every citizen in this country is held and should be held to the same standard. That includes so, Joe Biden, that includes Hillary Clinton, that includes Mike Pence, that includes me, that includes every citizen across this country. Yes. So, Dana, horse hockey on you. You're not asking these questions. And so this is what they think. They think that we on the right believe, oh no, Donald Trump's untouchable. He should be held above the law. I haven't heard anybody say that. But they just dismissed that Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden did anything wrong. Oh my gosh. Vivek is right. They're not asking the questions. Oh, yes, we got it. We're good journalists. Bull, you are not, because you're not asking these questions. We're out of time here today. We thank you so much for joining us. Ricky Matthews and Super Talk Outdoors up next, back with you again tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.